And welcome to the lank across the pond. My body lies over the ocean. My your what lies over the ocean? My body. It's my lanky, dude. Your body. Your lank. My lank lies over the ocean. No, that's not how that song goes. Dude, I don't even know, man. But we're coming to you today from Boulder, Colorado, in my bed because I'm a little bit sick. A little sick. I'm a little, a little bit little sick. sick. And where are we coming from? Are we coming from Downton Abbey or something? Is that where you're broadcasting no, from? Uh, close. I am in England, so we are recording across an ocean. Um, I'm in Birmingham, England at the moment. But in a few days, I will be in Oxford. But now I'm in Birmingham. Earlier today, I was in Liverpool, so I'm making the rounds. Dude, I, can I just tell Take you that. that every time I hear the town Liverpool, I just think, <laughs> just think of a liver with a pool. Like... Sick. Yeah, like it's disgusting. Like it's like kind of gross because like a liver. I mean, the quality of the liver depends on the liver. That's disgusting. You should think of the Beatles. I should. For, did you go to or the the liver Pudleyan Cathedral? No, but apparently the Liverpool, the Anglican Liverpool Cathedral is the eighth largest cathedral in the world. Oh, or so I'm told, dude. So take that. So so Scott, why are you in in England again? I can't even remember this uh, stuff, dude. Do you not remember? Are you? Are we not even? Friends? Okay, that's that's no, a I'm big in lie, dude. I I kidding. totally know why you are, but but um, our fellow Lankarians, <laughs> I don't know what what do you call somebody who listens to the Lanky guys? <laughs> I, I think Lankarians is the is the colloquial term. The colloquial term. I think you nailed okay, it. The Lankarians are, are are all curious why you're in England. I am in England because I am doing research for my PhD, which I hope to defend within the next year. So I'm I'm actually doing my PhD in England, so I'm doing all the writing of my dissertation and my research from Colorado, but I have to come here for a couple of weeks every year to present papers and to defend research and to talk with an accent and eat Lancashire pudding. Dude, that's that's good. And I, Devonshire cream. Mm, well, the proof is in the pudding and the eating therein. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> Dude, you were telling me so about I'm, some sort of professor, though, who has dogs or something? Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, so I'm presenting a paper tomorrow, which I'm ill-prepared for, but one of the deans uh, sat down beside me and told me that tomorrow during my presentation, he is releasing the pit bulls on me. <laughs> he just thought I should know, so, that, so that's exciting. Oh, that's always nice. Dude, I would, yeah. I would be scared if somebody told me that they were going to release any sort of dog, especially a pit bull, especially in England. Cause He's such a nice guy, though. Well, this is the thing is that, is that I don't know what kind of manners they have out there. I mean, like, is he actually well, he's serious? He's Scottish, though, so it's different. Oh. Well, that's well. I thought he was joking. I la I laughed at first, and then he just stared at me. <laughs> and he said, I'm, I'm gravely serious. But he said, like a Scott. But, yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's coming. So I haven't written that paper yet, but I'm the night is young. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, dude. So lots of fun on this side of the sea. That's great. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to keep you too long on the phone or, or nobody because. Okay. Well, thanks for calling, man. I will talk to you. Soon. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> oh, dude, you totally like freaked me out. I like I, your face. <laughs> I was like, oh no, we're recording. The people they need to hear. They they need their the link, man. The people need their link. All right. So where are we? We're on the eighth Sunday of Ordinary Time, yeah? 
eighth Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is the week after this, we're going to be Lenting it up. We're Lenting it up in in three days from the readings in this podcast, you, right? Two days, two and a half days, three days. I always think that <laughs> it, it, whenever you go into Lent, you know, you can say, you can say, hey, I'm going into debt. Hmm? I'm going into debt. Explain yourself. Because everything is lent out. Everything is lent out. Oh, Father Peter, that was terrible. <laughs> no, that was good. It was real uh, thanks, good. Thanks, thanks for good. complimenting me and lying, lying yeah, to my face. One. No, that was a good oh, one. Oh, thanks. I really. I'm lying to you, to you across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's that's okay. A, You're allowed to. That's do okay. That. I can take it lying down. <laughs> oh, I'm man. literally in a laying down position here right now. Father Peter is sick. Did we already say that? Uh, yeah. I mean, and and I'm not sick in and bed. And it's not. And and when we say sick, we don't mean the um. The like the uh, like the skateboarding sick where like I'm doing like sick total dude. sick like kickflips and like Ollie Norse and stuff mm. that we know that of. we know of I I could be doing it in my dreams but okay so today let's get in let's Kay. tell them about some readings because that first oh shoot what yeah before we do before we do we have to give a quick shout, shout out to out. Hannah Mutz Mutz is pronounced like multiple dogs I'm told um, but yeah this is Jacob <laughs> Mutz's uh, little sister. Um, who listens to us both. So that's awesome. So Hannah, you are awesome, and you're listening potentially from Pueblo, um, but maybe that's just where your brother is. Anyway, Hannah, you are awesome. Thanks for listening, and uh, here's your shout-out. But you're getting a special shout-out from all the way in another continent. So Hannah, here's to you. Okay, back to business. Yeah. I'm gonna forget, I was going to forget I, that, We've so. been getting a lot of compliments, too. I saw some, like uh, Jonathan Cop. Yeah. He, said some, he sent us some love. I know. Everyone's been commenting on our... Uh, on our Facebook page, which is is very nice, dude. So, so. so keep keep them coming, keep keep them coming. Okay, to eighth Sunday, eighth Sunday in ordinary times. First reading is Isaiah forty nine fourteen to fifteen. It's uh, precisely two verses whoa, whoa. long. It is a very short reading. Second reading is responsorial <laughs> psalm sixty two two to three sixty seven eight to nine. That's very that right. is not so short, but not as but short. it's still good. Right. Reading two, yeah. First Corinthians four one through five. That is the reading. Mm. You will read it, and it will be good. Gospel, Matthew 6, 24 to 34. That is a good reading. You will like it, too. We will talk about these readings, and we will get through them. It will be awesome. Okay, let's go. <laughs> wow, that was just, uh, that was scary. You know you know what I was imitating right there? Well, but. Is, um, is Wesley Willis, dude. Did you ever listen to Wesley Willis? Nope. He, he wrote such hits as Rock and Roll McDonald's. <laughs> and, and 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 it goes like this: Rock and roll McDonald's, rock and roll oh, McDonald's. Like, stop it, <laughs> no, dude. Stop. So it, so that was that was the readings in the lanky done in the style of Wesley Willis. Next week we can do Doctor Octagon. Do you know Doctor Octagon? Doctor Oct uh, Doctor Octagon. Yeah, we could totally do some Doctor Octagon, man. Page in Dr. Octagon, Dr. Doc, 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 Octagon. Okay, anyway, so Isaiah. We've never talked about Isaiah on this never. show before. Never. We have to I th teach you guys about Isaiah. I think we need that. to do an extensive history of the book of <laughs> Isaiah just <sighs> to help them. Year A loves Isaiah is what I have to do. Who's Year A? <laughs> <laughs> year, yeah, year, year A. <laughs> Dude, come on. That was. Was that serious or was that, that, that a joke? That was a joke. Oh man, I really wish. Who's <laughs> your dude? 
I know there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the world. Well, there's a town called Uray. In oh! We could have just been giving a shout out to the entire town. Uray loves Isaiah! Uray. Okay, Isaiah. Crash course on Isaiah once again. Isaiah is split into two distinct parts. Part 1 comprises chapters 1 through 39 and is commonly known as the Book of Desolation. <laughs> it's the bad news. Bad so you've stuff. sinned, you've broken the covenant, you're going to go into exile, things are pretty rough. Yep. So Isaiah, the second part of Isaiah comprises chapters versus por- <laughs> chapters 40 <laughs> through 66 and is colloquially called the Book of Comfort or the Book of Constellation because it basically says after your punishment is through, God will comfort you and console you and everything will be even better than it was before. Okay? Yay. Fair enough? Yay. So which half does this reading this come from? This half comes from the Book of Consolations. Which is weird because it's not going to start off sounding very consolatory. Cons- <laughs> very comforting. Let's just go. Let's go and comforting. Yeah. And it's and that's the thing really about this not. book it's is like it, it it what it's what <laughs> <laughs> well I mean the the book of comfort often has a ton of bad news in it so you have to it's not uh, the lines aren't as strict as they seem but you kind which which makes it the challenge of the reader to have to kind of dig out God's meaning so here's what it says it's a very short passage it says this. Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. So you, you start reading this and you're like, wait a second, this is in the book of comfort? Yeah. Zion is saying the Lord forsa- forsook me, the, my Lord has forgotten me? Um, but again, this is what they're saying. This is not the truth of the matter. So basically what the book of Consolation is trying to tell Israel is that even at the darkest point in your history, when things look the most um, painful and dark and that you've been abandoned, the truth is very different than that. And that's that's an important thing for us to remember so it goes on to say but wait can a mother forget her infant but wait is not actually in there. <laughs> can a mother forget her infant uh, be without tenderness for the child of her womb even should she forget I will never forget you so a mother could never forget her infant I mean this is the idea I mean this is how much God loves Israel even should it seem like he's forsaken you and abandoned you as much as a mother could never forget an infant so he could never well although yeah, we don't. We the more I read yeah. this, yeah. Well, this uh, this tells you something about the world, doesn't it? About what what falling into desolation and staying in the first half of this book sort of does to the world. Is it is because we do have mothers who forget their infants and the tenderness of the child in the womb, and and this is a this is a problem now, and so we have to realize that God is calling us to something else. God, well, there's lots we could say about that, but it's basically saying once again the world is not as it seems. And what you think, what you think is the world is actually not. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. When you when you're in the zone where you're like God totally ignored me and has forsaken me, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it should seem like it or feel like it with every fiber of your being, you're wrong. And this is the whole point of what Jesus says on the cross, right? When he's hanging in pain, he says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" He's not crying out in desolation. He's quoting Psalm 22 which is all about a person who feels like the Lord has forsook them. Forsaken them? Forsook is forsook I think, a word? Well, we'll, we'll let it be a word for now. All right. Forsaken them, but in the end, that person is vindicated by God and actually comes back from the dead. Which, so which, uh, this is Jesus' point on the cross. Well, this is exactly what Isaiah is actually quoting is Psalm yes. 22. So it says, That's right. is, is I, it's exactly what you just said. No, I, I remember you in, in, on the cross and in the resurrection. Like Exactly. You just yeah. said you said yeah. it way better than I could say it right now, but 
No, no, that's it though. So, uh, so, and the psalm, so then moving on to the responsorial psalm, the, respon the responsorial psalm answers this question or this longing or this confusion of the human heart. Rest in God alone, my soul. So whatever else is pulling at you, whatever else the world is trying to tell you, whatever hopelessness you're getting bombarded with, rest in God alone. Don't put your trust in anything mm. else. Rest only in God. Only in God is my soul at rest. From him comes my salvation. Only he only is my rock. God is my soul at rest. Yeah. Which is, but again, I, I love it when the responsorial psalm answers the first reading, which it frequently does. This first reading will often pose a question. The responsorial psalm will often answer it. This is, again, part of the liturgical structure the church uses. And this time it really does that. And I, I, again, I think it's really pertinent for people living in our world that is very, very dark and, and living in, you know, abject sin that our, our world is not hopeless and God has not forgotten us and forsaken us even the days that it feels like he might have. Well, yeah, and I, rest, rest in well, him. Well, I'm thinking about this. It's like, um, why do we have recourse to the sins that we do? It's oftentimes yeah. because we feel forsaken yeah. or ignored yeah. and al alone, of, uh, alone in the world. And so rather than yeah. resting in, in God alone, what we do is we try to take rest in our sin. And, and, it's, and it's in those moments that we just totally end up jacked up. Because and it's like, the, it's no good. Well, because there's fleeting comfort in them. Yes. You know, they feel like there's comfort. It's a, it's a sort of comfort. It's not true comfort, but it it's a, it gives the appearance of comfort. But again, what the what the scriptures are telling us is is your your senses are deceiving you essentially. Yeah. My so. stronghold. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. I do too. I, I bet I, I you've ruined it I, for me. I Thank know you. it's because I'm trying to sing it while I'm sick. I'm, I just uh, <laughs> my stronghold. Dude, this is how I feel sometimes. It's just how I feel. This is what it is. Well, uh, so I had a friend once ruin the name Bob for oh me. Oh, no. So I can never hear the name Bob. And I have a, one of my best friends is named Bob. But I can never hear the word Bob without thinking of a sick kid calling his mom. Bob. Bob. <laughs> Bob. Can you bring me some soup, Bob? <laughs> so uh, it ruins that sense of that word for me. I, okay, I, I hey. was at, I, so I now was I've ruined it for all of I you, was hopefully. A wedding, well, I was at a wedding once, and it was for this guy, Bobby, <laughs> and I was thinking oh. about him and his wife, Danielle, really clearly in my mind, and I was giving communion, and, and somebody came up, and, and I said, Bobby of Christ. <laughs> Is that even valid? I don't even know. I mean, I think so, but like, I don't even know. <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> it's like so messed up, dude. So if you're so Bob's and Bobby's today, they're getting they're getting <laughs> the next level right here. Bobby of Christ. I don't know if I should laugh at that or not. Am I allowed to laugh yeah, at that? Yeah, you are. And then I said oh. at the end of mass, I was like, you know, I said one of you out there received the Bobby of Christ and <laughs> you know who you are. And you need to confess. Yeah, you need to you, you, oh, need man. to uh, make make up for that or something. That's fantastic. I'm, okay. Uh, okay. Boop, boop. Okay, first Corinthians. First core, dude. We've been in first core for a little while. So, brothers and sisters, it begins. Hi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, bros and sis. <laughs> Thus should one regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now it is, of course, required of students, <laughs> stewards, <laughs> uh, you yeah. see where my mind is, <laughs> that they be found trustworthy. Oh, no, students. My, I'm a student who's not well, trustworthy. Yes, you are. It does not. No, I am. I'm trustworthy. Uh, it does not concern me in the least that I be judged by you or any human tri 
tribunal, I do not even pass judgment on myself. So it goes on to put this in context. If you remember, I think we talked about this last week or the week before. What they're dealing with in the city of Corinth, which is a, a really rampantly sinful place, mm-hmm. which is very decadent, and, and they're falling in all sorts of stuff. One of the particular sins of the church in Corinth is that they've begun to form personality cults around um, around figures in the church. So there was this passage, remember, a couple weeks ago. It says some of you are saying, well, I belong to Christ, I, I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Paul, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. So basically they're, they're saying, well, I, I'm better because, you know, Father Peter baptized me. No, I'm better because I'm a follower of Father Brady, or I'm better because I'm an Archbishop Chaput Catholic. No, no, I'm a Pope Benedict Catholic, or whatever. You know, we, we rally around these personalities, and Paul goes on to, and, and they go so far as to put Christ in that category, that, oh, no, no, I'm a Christ follower, so I'm better than you guys who follow Paul. Wait, Christ isn't even in that category. So they're, they're rallying around these personalities, and Paul says, I wasn't crucified you uh, for you. I didn't, you weren't baptized in my name for Pete's sake. Uh, we are merely stupid words of something greater. I'm not worried about being judged by you, mm. which again, it's, it's kind of taking the first reading to the next level. Um, it's one thing to be disheartened because you feel like the world is against you and things are dark and you've been left hopeless. It's something else, and you know this in a particular way. I think all of us who work in ministry in any capacity have all had those experiences when the people that we're actually ministering to sort of you feel like they're turning against you and uh, they're backstabbed. Paul, Paul talks in one of his other letters about people in the church, followers, people in the churches that he founded actually stabbing him in the back yeah. and badmouthing him to the rest of the church. And he says, you know what? If people are hearing the name of Jesus Christ through my being backstabbed, then so be it. Praise be to God. They're hearing the name of Jesus Christ, which is this complete detachment. Well, it's not a complete detachment, but it's a realization of what his actual role is in this. Only in God is my soul at rest. It's not in your praise for me or the, you know, the the approval of the dean when I present this paper tomorrow. I mean, only in God ultimately is my soul at rest. If it's God's will, I will present a paper tomorrow. If it's God's will, then I will say what what he has me to, for me to say. It, it, only in God is my soul at rest in those things. And so Paul is on a whole nother level sort of answering the question that, that's raised in the first reading. Yeah. It's a different kind of darkness. It's ecclesial darkness. Yeah. Well, this is the thing is that, is that he says that uh, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will manifest the motive of our hearts. Uh-oh. Yeah, dude, which is just, yeah. I mean, uh, so wh- where uh, where we're putting our rest is going to become mm-hmm. evident. And and uh, and the, yeah. the ones who are putting their rest in the heart of the Lord and, and in Jesus, are, it's going to be profound. It's going to be actually really beautiful, and, and it will be yeah. revealed. But if you're doing it in some sort of human wisdom, um, then, uh, then you have to be careful about that because it will, everything's <laughs> going to come to light. Yeah, absolutely. And so, don't, so don't mess around and say you also, you know what other, the motivations of other people's hearts are. Because sometimes I think we can assume, especially if you're good at reading people, you can assume what their, what the motives of their hearts are. But we really don't know. And that's why we got to really be considerate right. and, and have our vocation, our primary vocation of love really out there. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. I guess there's nothing else to talk about today. Uh, we're missing something. I know. I'm just kidding. Read the gospel. Ah! What are you thinking? Ah! <laughs> Dude, I, you 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 just totally went to like um the <laughs> you went into the dad mode, dude. 
What, what do you That's mean? That's a dad mode. You're like, oh, you're like looks like we forgot to open your presents on your birthday. <laughs> like, oh, that is a dad move. It's a total it? dad move, man. Oh, well, I am a dad. And I miss my kids because I'm far away from them. Apparently, my son was vomiting all night. Oh. Which is just the worst. Of course, when you're traveling halfway across the world, your son is up all night vomiting. Why wouldn't he? Dude, I just have to say, you are a good dad because you're sad that you weren't there for that event to be able to help your son and your wife and your other daughter. You're not, like, rejoicing. You're like, yeah, score. Totally <laughs> missed out on the chaos. Like, oh, what a terrible attitude. I know. That's, like, the worst what attitude ever. Attitude. That's why I'm complimenting your attitude. Oh. You did good. I would. I was about to tell a diarrhea story, but it's probably not fit for... I w- you made me want to sing a song that I remember from my childhood about <laughs> diarrhea just now. But uh, is it the one from the Parenthood movies? I don't. I can't tell you. I don't. I don't, okay, I don't want anybody to. I don't want to <laughs> okay. inspire anything because because we have um, no. two masters that we have to look at right here. Oh yeah, right, 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 right. Okay, Matthew twenty, Matthew six, twenty four through 20, thirty four. Okay, so we're in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, yes. Ooh, I just thought of something. Ooh, I like that sound. Uh Oh, um Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, I just remember this. And Father Peter, I know you've heard this before, but just a word on the Sermon on the Mount. I, I love the Sermon on the Mount. Partially because it's one of those things that we're so familiar with, or at least we've we've just kind of heard all this stuff before. We we lose sight of the tremendous depth that's actually taking place here because we you know forgive your enemy love the people who persecute you turn the other cheek all this stuff which again we brought that up last week it's profound stuff with a real context but sometimes we've heard this stuff so many times we we don't actually slow down to hear what it what it is actually yeah. saying one of the things that's interesting about the sermon on the mount so the sermon on the mount comprises matthew's chapter five six and seven so it's three chapters long and it Matthew is the book that um, is believed to have been written primarily to a Jewish Christian audiences, audience. So these are people who believe in Jesus. They're now followers. They're part of the church. But they uh, come from Jewish backgrounds primarily. And in that light, there's a Jewish tradition. One of the rabbis, I forget. I want to say it was Rabbi Simeon. One of the famous rabbis, though, once said that when God created the world, he created the world in th- on three pillars. Have you heard this? Do you remember this? Yeah, I, it's very vaguely. but you. So if you tell me again, I'm going to still uh, yeah, be yeah. enlightened. Yeah, Tom, Tom Smith often talks about this. He's the one who taught me this. But I, I think it was Rabbi Simeon. And he said the wor- God founded the world on three pillars. There's Torah, Avodah, and Gemilut Chesedim, right? So it's the the three W's. Torah is the Hebrew word that means word. So God's word, his commandments, his covenant, mm-hmm. right? So 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 what does it mean to be a follower of Yahweh? Well, you have to know his word, right? You have to read the word of God. Okay, so word, avodah. Do you remember what, what avad or avodah means? No, I Hebrew? don't. Uh, worship or service. It literally means service. Remember, it's this play on words that's going on in Exodus um, Pharaoh wants them to serve him, to avod him, but God says, no, I want you to worship me, avod me. It's the same word that they're both using. But avod or avodah means to worship, right? So you, so what does it mean to be a follower of Yahweh? You, you know his word and you worship him. And then the third W is gemilud chesedim, which means works of loving kindness. So literally things like the corporal works of mercy, right? Care for people, feed the poor, visit the imprisoned, etc., etc. So word, worship, and works, right? is this Jewish tradition that these are the foundations of the world when it means to be a follower of Yahweh. Make sense? Totally. 
So if you look at that, if you apply that to the Sermon on the Mount, you can actually apply those across the three chapters that make up the Sermon on the Mount. So chapter 5 is really all about word. Look at what we looked at last week. It's, he, Jesus keeps saying, you have heard it was said this, but I, say but to I you. give you a new commandment, yeah. this, all about word. Chapter 6 is actually all about worship. It's the way that we serve God, that we give him to us, uh, that we give ourselves to him. Um, it's, it's the same chapter where it talks about, you know, it says, but don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, let God take care of those things, the lilies of the field stuff. But it also is the, the chapter that talks about, you know, when you fast, go into your room and do it in quiet. And when you pray, do it this way. So it's all about worship. And then chapter 7 is going to be about works, how we actually treat our neighbors. You know, take the, pl the plank out of your own eye before you remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. So it, it's this beautiful reality. The whole Sermon on the Mount is shaped around this very ancient Jewish way of looking at the world. That if you want to know what it means to be a follower of God, it's following his word, worshiping him, and then doing something about it. The works of loving kindness to your, to your neighbors. So we're smack in the middle of that paradigm this week. That yeah, that's dude. That's actually really cool because that takes these yeah. these Sundays and breaks them out. Exactly, exactly. Which I wish I'd have thought to bring that up last week, but I just thought of it here. So, in that sense, we have to look at everything everything that's being said here. And Jesus is going to give a lot of kind of analogies, but everything that's being said is essentially about worship worshiping God. So he begins by saying, Jesus said to his disciples, nobody can serve two masters. He'll either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon, yeah. right? So this idea to, to serve, to serve a master in the Hebrew mindset requires this total, complete, exclusive commitment. So you, it was, it was actually illegal in the Jewish world to have two masters. You can't do it. It divides your loyalties. Um, and so it was, some, it was something that w wasn't done. So Jesus goes then and uses these idioms, right? Not only pointing out that that's not possible, but if we if we neglect our, our relationship with God as the true master over our lives, then the contrast becomes literally hating one and loving the other one. I don't think it means that the servant um, has emotional hatred for the other master, but he's putting it in these terms that are so extreme. It's like the, you know, you must hate your father and mother. God doesn't want you to go and don't hate Marie, man, because she's hey, a good woman. So it's true. But, but compared to the love we give God, we are to be undivided in that. We are not to give the kind of worship we give to God to anything else. We have the love for a mother that is proper to a mother. We have the love for a father that's proper to our father. We have the love for the things in our lives that are proper to those things in our lives. But only, but sometimes we apply the love that's only proper for God to our iPhone or to our job or to our money or to our whatever it is. Our girlfriends or husbands or our girlfriends, yep. wives and children. Yeah, and this is where he brings up the whole mammon thing, right? You cannot serve God and mammon, which <laughs> I, I've always thought that's a funny. It is word. a funny word. I um, always think of um, uh, our um, our uh, lacrosse team from Denver, mammoth. Oh, the mammon, <laughs> the Denver mammon, Denver mammon, dude. The Denver mammon, serve us. <laughs> That's their motto, right there. <laughs> well, mammon, it, mammon. There's a reason it's kind of a funny word because even grammatically, it's kind of funny. So, mammon is it's a Greek transliteration of an Aramaic word. Oh. So, it, even linguistically, it's kind of a muddled term. So, it's a, it's a Greek. It's the Greek rendering of an Aramaic word that means wealth or possessions, and it, it it's derived from this word that that actually means to believe or to trust. 
So the word is applied to wealth and possessions, but its root actually comes from trusting, um, the, the place in which one places your trust. Wow. And throughout, you know, in, the, in this culture, mammon is actually often personified and portrayed as a person, as a master, which um, really kind of beats home this idea that sometimes our possessions can actually own us. They can possess us like a slave master which is what it's doing linguistically when, when Jesus is actually personifying this in a certain sense. Um, it, does that yeah, make sense? And anybody who's just recently bought a new car knows exactly mm. what that's like. That's there's, true. There's something about actually like a new car where you're like mm. like a brand new car. I mean, and like the, sometimes you, you get a car, it doesn't mean it's new, but you like wipe it with a diaper and you love it. You read the manual and... And then you're like thinking about this like don't scratch it, and and you put all this like attentiveness towards it when in fact it's actually it's not worth yeah. all that attentiveness. Well, I'm sure this is how Laura Gifford feels <laughs> with, that, with that car I gave her. <laughs> she had a she had her car smashed. By the way, my f- listening audience uh, uh, by a tree that was blown down. We've had all these trees that are blown down around here and cause all sorts of damage and her tree was totally smashed because Josh parked it in the in a different place that she never parks it Josh parked it there and then it was smashed so that so that she got the absolute most ghetto car ever hey I gave that car from my heart it did you had a little green you had ghetto in your heart then dude because oh man little green is special I gave little green with love little green is special and that's little green not little little I I I drove Lil Green around for a little while. You drove her for like a month. I know, and then it died. <laughs> and then you abandoned it. <laughs> I did <laughs> for another. Oh month. my gosh! Yeah. Oh, Lil Green. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, the new, yeah. So we can be owned by that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. That was a good analogy. See, that's practical application. Pra- man. Practical application. Pracky app. That's what I call that. Um, I'm getting You and me okay. both. So he goes on. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your okay. life. So the word worry yeah. actually is used five times in this section. So, you know, whenever a, a word is repeated in the Bible, it, it merits attention, Always. right? So in five times in this little verse, it's actually repeated, um, which tells you there's there's a big deal here. Um, so don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your body. You know, worry, 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 worry. Um, which is actually, I, I think there's actually an echo to Sirach there well i think that i think intentionally there's an echo to the first reading because oh right yeah that's probably <laughs> <laughs> oh you remember that's our project again right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah good call that. good call yeah. Um, Thanks, <laughs> so yeah the first reading where it's like the lord has forsaken me like that's a that's a yeah. worry i mean like like ultimately if we're talking if we're going to take this as the three pillars this is the worship of god and worship of god is a trustful surrender to him and yeah. saying like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna worship the things of this world. Saying I'm gonna be, pro- I'm gonna try to provide out of this stuff, or am I gonna actually follow after the Lord wherever He's gonna go? And say like, uh, you know, if if, you, yeah. if you're worried and you're saying the Lord has forsaken me, you're not. You are worried, and the Lord says, don't worry. Yeah. The Lord knows exactly who you are, what you're doing. He's taking care of you. He's providential in a very true way. Yeah. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the analogies that he used because again we've heard this a million times, you know. Look at the birds of the sky; they don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not? Impor- is it is it Luke that says, "Are you not impor- more important than many sparrows" or something yes. like that? Yes. I think yeah, I think it's Luke that puts it that way. But I mean, 
and again, we've heard that before. Oh yeah, you know the lily. Look at the lilies of the field. You know the sparrows. Da 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 da. da. We've heard it a million times. But I mean, if you think about the the sheer absurdity in thinking about a bird worrying about where they're going to sleep, why don't they worry about what, where they're going to sleep? Well, because they don't have rational minds. They can't self-reflect. Okay, <laughs> but there's also some. I mean, you could you could go that route, yeah. right? But there's also the simple fact that it's built into their very nature that they presume they will have a place to sleep. They will have food to eat because it's actually built into who, they're o- who they are. Instinctually, they know that these things will be provided. We have this tremendous gift of self-reflection and human rationale, and what we often use that to do is consider all the things that we potentially will not have because God will not give them to us, even though it's probably built into us that we're, we're built to trust. Now look at a child. A child assumes that their parent is going to take care of them, and, and they trust that. Yes. We actually have to unlearn that um, because we serve other things. And once you start serving other things, those other things do not feed you and clothe you and take care of you. So we train ourselves through not putting our trust at all times in God. We train ourselves to not want to trust mm. him. But we actually have to unlearn that, I think. Dude, amen. I think that that is, I- that is our spiritual work. Dude, you are a wise man. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, maybe. Well, and and that's why that's why St. Paul, as he's talking, is he's like, he's trying to actually get us to go to the heart. Like Jesus was trying to get us to go to the heart. Yeah. And and then, because g- g- God will reward when we are actually in that zone and really following after him. So it's, um, yeah. dude, it's just, it's just really good. I think that, th- I think that that's really where those, this connection resides. Rest alone in God, my soul. I mean, there's really... It really is is the way because I'll tell you wh- it, when you're worried, you have no rest. When you're um, when you're you're looking around and you're judging everything around you. When you're thinking you're forsaken, all these things, y- yeah. it's like y- you have yeah. no rest. Yeah, and and we got to be careful with this because this is not. We can't mistake not worrying for a lack of caring. So I mean, I I don't think if we're not to worry. You can't. I mean, I think of, think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's so upset, he's literally sweating blood. Yes. Is that kind of an anxious worrying? Well, I, I have to believe that it's not, because God asks us not to do that. His soul is at rest, even even though he's facing what will be the the most challenging thing any human being actually has to do. So, can can we find a way to exist sort of in that? You know, this isn't, you can read this and be like, oh, yeah, that's nice. You know, let's just be happy all the time and we won't worry about anything and everything is fine, even though I just lost my job and I'm facing a foreclosure and my kids aren't going to church anymore and my spouse has left me. But yeah, everything's great. No, that's just a lie. The question becomes okay, how can I live in the midst of utter pain that's surrounding me? But yet let my soul find rest in God alone. Not just say, I don't care anymore. But find rest in the midst of that thing, knowing that Jesus actually found his soul found rest in God on the cross while he's hanging in agony. You know what? Do you know what I mean? I think that's the that's the challenge of the Christian. When we read something like this, we just want to write it off and be like, "Oh yeah," but that doesn't really apply to me because I'm facing real problems. Yes, but well, and and that's really where the the um the the admonition, "Blessed are those who mourn," actually still comes in. It's not just about death; it's about yeah. mourning. Yeah. That the there are real sufferings, but it doesn't take your 
it does it, it's it's like um where do you rest it doesn't mean it that we're yeah. always at rest right 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 yeah well, that's a good way to put it but but if but if i think that if uh, at the end of the day i'm gonna come home and and uh the only way i'm gonna rest is a bottle of booze i don't think that that's resting in the lord whereas you know what i mean coming it that's true it's resting it's in the resting booze. in the booze. well it's putting your faith in mammon exactly right because that's what's bringing you comfort. That's where your soul is finding rest. And if you look around, yeah, Frankly. yeah. And if you look around at a liquor store, oftentimes you will see names that are like trying to actually emulate that reality, that's which is true. disturbing. And that is disturbing. But, that's, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's a different yeah, podcast. that's a different podcast. But that's everything, you know. So like we, yeah, um, yeah. So God is good, man. God is good. God is good. All the time. All the, All time. the time, and he won't good. forsake you. No, even though it might even look though like it might look like it. I mean, and you, you look forsaken right now. <laughs> hey, I was gonna say that about you. <laughs> oh, uh, no, really? I'm still wearing my nice clothes, and I'm in a down. No, no, dude. You look you, and and this is the thing is I can tell your brain is like really sharp. Like you have academic brain, and it's so cool. I know. I, I love <laughs> it when you look like an academic in your brain. Oh man. Well, thanks, man. Well, I wish you could see all these powdered wigs. <laughs> Dude, I can almost see that guy behind yeah, you. He's he's been watching me the whole podcast. He's been watching me the whole podcast. I know he's making me nervous. <laughs> okay. Hey, pin us on Pinterest well, and love us uh love <laughs> us with letters. <laughs> love us on l- love Pinterest. <laughs> that doesn't that's probably not a good thing. I don't don't google that. I'm sure it's not good. Um um <laughs> but do but do actually find us on yes, Facebook. Send us an email. Link you guys at thomascenter.org. Start your own podcast. Um, send us your shout-outs. Start, no, don't, because that will take away from... Uh, no, no, no man. It, the more the, the merrier. The more the merrier. And if mm-hmm. you feel guilty about not listening to this podcast all the way through, um, that's proper and true. So you should just... Uh, rep- the best stuff yeah, comes yeah, at repent, the end. Uh, repent and believe in the, uh, in the gospel. So Believe and say <laughs> no more. <laughs> We love you. Uh, (laughs) Scott, I miss you already, and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Indeed. Um, Well, we'll still be back next week, but I'll still be (laughs) Yes. Okay. But um, All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back next week. Uh, Goodbye. Goodbye. Lord on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.